Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, if you're looking for good news today, you've come to the right place. Just listen to what God wants you to know. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Brian Kember will be talking about the gospel, God's good news to a fallen world, how lost and guilty sinners can have their sins forgiven, how sad and weary souls can find rest, how confused and hurting people can come into contact with someone who really and genuinely cares, that is the Lord himself. Yes, my friend, religion's not the answer. There is nothing you can do to gain favor with God. God wants you to trust Him, to love Him, all in simple and heartfelt response to His own great love for you. Let's get right to the message then, as evangelist Mr. Brian Kember brings together for us the elements of the simple gospel message, God's immeasurable love for sinners like us. We are thankful that you have an interest to learn about the Bible because that is what we're here to do tonight. We're here to preach from the Bible. So if there's anything we say and you say, wait a minute, that's not in the Bible, then you have the full right to come and discuss that with us because if it's not in the Bible, then we should not be preaching it from this platform. I want to share with you what God says in the Bible about Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel. It's good news tonight. It is very good news. I'd like to read in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, one of the greatest gospel preachers that ever lived, his name is Paul. Now Paul, before he was saved, his name was Saul. His name was changed when he got saved, when he met the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. But before he was saved, before he even heard about the gospel or accepted the gospel, this man wanted to kill Christians. If we were a church in that day and Saul walked in the door before he was saved, we would all cringe and mostly get up off our seats and run but God came in and saved Saul, the murderer, saved him, and turned him into a great gospel preacher. Now let's listen to what he has to say about the gospel. Verse 16, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means, well, everybody, includes everybody in the whole world. We're either Jewish or we're uh, Gentile, so it's either one or the other. So to everybody that believes. Verse 17. For therein, this is still talking about the gospel of Christ. For in the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now we can look at that a few different ways, but I want to look at it tonight is from God's faithfulness to our ability, our God's giving us the ability to place faith in him. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's quite a statement. The just shall live. And that doesn't mean just live in this life. But that means live for all of eternity in heaven. How will a person ever get to heaven? By faith. Faith in what? Faith in, back up to verse 16, the gospel of Christ. 
faith in the gospel of Christ. Maybe you've heard of the man Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a monk. A monk is a person that has decided that they are going to um, seclude themselves from society. They are not going to eat very much. They're not going to have any possessions. And they are going to devote their times completely to discovering more about God. How'd you like that lifestyle? Every single moment of their day, when they are awake, they are going to devote themselves to discovering God. And that was Martin Luther. The monk of monks, they say. He was a man that he would fast. He would not eat food for over a month or even longer. He would starve himself because he was starving for God. As he was reading the Bible, he came to this one phrase in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, the just shall live by faith. And he looked at it and he goes, I want to be just. I want to be righteous. I want a relationship with God. I want, to, I want to be able to communicate with him. And there's only the just people that can. And I'm striving to be just. I'm working so hard and I, I have done everything I possibly can. But wait a minute. It says they'll live by faith. And by reading that little phrase, Martin Luther understood, everything I've done to this point is useless because there's nothing I can do to obtain favor with God. It is simply faith in Jesus Christ, period. Have you ever heard of the gospel of Christ? Ever heard about it? Gospel really means good news, doesn't it? It means good news. This in this world today, we have people saying it's good news and we always like to share good news, and we like to hear good news, don't we? We don't like to hear bad news. It's very rare there's ever any good news. Well, tonight I want to give you the best news, good news of Christ. That's what it says. This is the good news of Christ. Do you know that there's no other human being that we can ever say the good news of? You could never say, come hear the good news of Brian Kember. That's me. Do you know why? Because eventually you're going to get the bad news. I can't provide good news about my, because I'm not good completely. I've got faults and many of them. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, he is the only one that we could say, come, hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the more you try to discover about Jesus Christ, you'll understand that it is continual good news. It never, ever changes. It's not bad news ever. He is good news. Jesus Christ is good news, and that's what this is all about. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? Simply, plain, simple. This is what it is. Listen. Ready? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, to make sinners so that they can enter into heaven and have a relationship with God without any work of their own, without any effort of their own, to have a relationship with God, isn't that good news? I would think everybody here would say, yeah, that would be good news. I don't think anybody in the whole world, whether they believe in Jesus Christ or not, whether they believe in God or not, if you describe the good news of the gospel and you say, here is us sinners, here's God, we are separated from God because of our sin, but Jesus Christ came into the world and died on the cross so that we can have a relationship with God, is that good news? Everybody say, yeah, yeah, that, that has to be good news. It is good news. But just because you might say, yeah, yeah, that's good news, doesn't mean it means anything to you. See, I'm hoping tonight that there's somebody, and God is too, God's working tonight. And we are praying that there might be somebody to understand that this good news isn't just for select few, but it is for everyone. It is for me. There was a 
man by the name of Fritz Kreisler. He is a world-famous violinist. He had quite a bit of money, but every, pretty much all the money he brought in, he gave it all away. He continually gave it all away. One day he was going shopping and he saw a collector's edition for a violin. It was a collector's edition. He wanted it. He said, I got to buy that, so I'm going to save up some money. So he started saving some money, went back to the store to buy it, and it was gone. He found out who bought it, went to that man's door, knocked on his door. The man opened the door, says, Yes, can I help you? You bought such and such a violin. They said, Sure, come on in. Here it is. Fritz says, I want to buy that. He says, No, you can't buy it. He says, What are you going to do with it? I'm going to put it up on a shelf. He so everybody can look at it. Fritz was upset, turned around and walked away. He goes, wait a minute now. Can, can I just play it? Just one time. Sure. So he picked up the violin and he started to play the violin. The man that owned the violin sat there in amazement. And he said this. I have no right to keep this to myself. It is yours. Take it. Let the world hear it. And he gave the violin to him. Why? because he did not want it to sit on the shelf silence. It's the same thing with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not going to sit on the shelf silent because we want to share with every heart of the good news of Jesus Christ how you can know for sure your sins are forgiven and you have a seat in heaven and there is nothing of your own efforts to be able to have to put together. No package you have to put together to present to God because you can't. Jesus Christ has made it all available. That is good news, my friend. In this passage, we read that the good news is the revealing of the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. You see, the good news helps us understand about God. We need to understand about God first, don't we? What's He like? The way for us to learn and learn more about God is how? Well, we can look at His creation. We can see He's powerful and so on. But God has something more for us. He says, I sent my son to this earth. His name is Jesus, and I want you to look at him. And the more you look at him, you'll find out about me. So by looking at Jesus Christ, we can see the righteousness of God. I want to tell you something about Jesus Christ. He never had any sin. Not one. Perfect. Holy. Oh, people tried to point it and say, oh, he did this and did that, but they would fail. Could you imagine this? Would you ever, in the audience today, if you're having a conversation with a few people, would you ever, in the conversation, say, anybody here, I challenge you, find a sin in me. Would you do that? I wouldn't. I don't think anybody here would, because you'd be like, no, because, yeah, there's some that are close to, yeah, we might, somebody might point, huh, I saw you do this the other day. Do you know what Jesus Christ did? He did that to an audience. He said this, which of you convinces me of sin? He put out the challenge. Come on, anybody, find a fault in me. And even Pilate, a wicked man, had to understand there is no fault in him. I find no fault in him. And he was an expert at finding fault in people. Holy, perfect, righteous. And if Jesus Christ is righteous, he is without sin, then he hates sin. And that is a first principle we have to understand about God is God is righteous and he hates sin. We can look back and we look at our own sin and say, well, it's not that much, it's not that bad. A little Sunday school lesson I did with uh, children and I talked about sin and they, oh yeah, I've sinned, I've sinned. So I said, brought a child up here and put toilet paper around them. And I said, let's pretend the toilet paper is sin, put the toilet paper around them. I said, now, what can you do? Can you get away from that? And sure enough, they could break it away. And that's what we think sin is like. 
oh, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me too much. I'm not that bad. My friend tonight, God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every single individual in this meeting, including myself. And because of God's righteous standards that we can see in Jesus Christ, we fall short. How do you compare to Jesus Christ? We don't. We are such a vast contrast to him because God is righteous and we are not. But wait a minute now, I thought you said this was good news. It is good news because on the basis that Jesus Christ is righteous and that he hates sin, he also is righteous because he loves sinners. <laughs> That's what just is remarkable. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ and he's mingling and he's going down and he's sitting down with sinners of the day. A group of them were called the publicans and they were the tax collectors. And if you saw a tax collector go by, the people would say, he's a sinner. They would pretty much, he's a sinner. He is a thief. He's a crook. They're cheats. You know what Jesus Christ did? He saw a man, Matthew, saved. And he went to Matthew's house. And Matthew brought all of his friends. Guess who all of Matthew's friends were? They're all publicans. And there's Jesus Christ. And he's sitting down with them. And he's having a meal with them. He's eating with them. And the, the religious people of the day came by. And they looked at They go, oh. And they murmured, they complained, how dare he? They thought that that was a bad quality of Jesus Christ. But praise God, I want to tell you, it is the best quality of Jesus Christ. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. And if he was here tonight, we are all sinners. He would sit down and he would mingle with us. Even though he hates our sin, he loves us. Oh, this is the revealing. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. He is righteous. He cannot stand sin, but he is righteous in the same sense he loves sinners. But these two things of hatred for sin and love for sinners is exemplified, is intensified, is amplified when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ came to this world for a purpose and he went all the way to the cross. And on the cross of Calvary, it was fully displayed to us how much God hates sin. Oh, my friend, God hates sin. How much does God hate sin? He hates sin so much that he would actually take my punishment for my sin and punish his own perfect holy son on the cross. In the darkness Jesus Christ on the cross cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the answer to that is because he hates our sin. God hates our sin and he punished his son. But in the same breath, I have to say, God loves sinners. And that is why Jesus Christ was on the cross. What a display of God's righteousness all in one. He hates sin, he loves sinners, and he punished Jesus Christ because he hates sin, and he punished his son because he loves sinners. Friend tonight, he loves you. This is the good news of Christ. It's the revealing of God's character. And I'm so thankful that I've come to learn what God is like. He hates my sin, but he loves me. Another thing we can learn about this in this passage here is that the gospel of Christ is based on God's faithfulness. See, God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he said and fulfill what he promised. He will. 
You look through the whole Old Testament into the New Testament, you can see God kept his promise. There's not one promise that God did not keep. And especially when we read Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, where God wrote 750 years before Jesus Christ came into this world, and he wrote this. He got Isaiah to write it for him, and he wrote, Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's our sins. And the chastisement of our peace is upon him. The judgment to bring us peace was upon him. And with the mighty strike that God put down on him because of my sin, I can be healed. Then when Jesus Christ, who is God, was on the cross, and he said, finished, what was he talking about? He's talking about another promise that you can rest on. Another promise that you can have your sins forgiven. All your sins erased. God has never given a promise that he's never fulfilled. Greatest promise he's ever given to the whole world is that you can have your sins forgiven by coming to Christ, by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's given the promise, your sins will be forgiven. Once and for all. It's not a continual thing. Oh, I, I need to go and do a little bit of work myself. I need to ask for my sins to be confessed every month or whatever it is. I, I, have, to, I have to do something extra. No, God says, at the cross, Jesus Christ paid for all your sins. Friend tonight, that is good news. It's trustworthy news. Not only is it based on God's faithfulness, but it is brought to you by the power of God. By the power of God. That's what we read, wasn't it? We read here that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God onto salvation to everyone that believes. The power of God. There was a debate between a, a Christian and a man who was not a Christian, Charles uh, Bredloff, he was a man that was not a Christian. And uh, he challenged another man by the name of H.P. Hughes. He says, I, I want to do a debate with you about God. Okay? So H.P. Hughes says, sure, I'll take you up on that debate. We'll do it at such and such a university. What I'm going to do, though, is that I'm going to bring people with me. Is that okay? I'm going to bring maybe approximately 100 people with me that have experienced what God can do in their personal lives. And he says, and what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to bring, as many as you can, of people who have experienced what you were talking about. So the date came, and H.B. Hughes showed up with his 100 people, and Charles Bradloff never showed up. <laughs> oh, you look around the world, you can say God has the power to create. Absolutely. God has the power to convict our hearts of our needs, doesn't he? I mean, any honest person with an open Bible would come to understand very quickly that they are a sinner and they deserve God's punishment upon them in the lake of fire in hell forever. That's what the Bible says. And any honest person would say, yes, that's me. That's who I am. That's the power of God to convict us of our need. But God doesn't stop there because God has the power to convert us, to make us from being a sinner to a saint, to make us from being sinful to being righteous. And that transaction all happens at the cross of Christ. I'm bringing you back to the cross every time because that's where the good news is. It's when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died once, not to die again. You see, the Jewish people, they always brought their lamb. They would bring a lamb every year to the Passover because they were bringing a lamb, another lamb and another lamb every year because that other lamb that did last year 
didn't cover their sins for this year. But God says, step back, everybody. Step back, the old Jewish nation. It's my turn now. It's my turn to bring my lamb. And my lamb is my son. And my son is going to be sacrificed on a wicked cross once. Never to happen again. The power of God to take an individual and make him into a person who is accepted with God. Chuck Swindoll, a gospel preacher, was asked from the audience. He, sometimes after his message, he would say, and we have any questions? One man stood up. He says, Chuck, what's your impression of God? When you close your eyes to pray, what's the image that you have in your mind? I want to just ask you that question. Just think about it yourself. What is your image of God in your mind? Chuck says, I've never been asked that question before. He says, I have to think for a moment. He says, I guess when I pray and I close my eyes, I think of a father on his knees with his arms out and a great big smile. And he says, come, come. I know your past. I know your sin. I know your troubles. But just come. That wasn't always my image of God. I would used to think that God was this person with a club, with a scowl on his face, ready to, ready to punish me. What's your impression of God? What do you think God's like? I want to bring your attention to God as a father that loves his children, loves those that are lost, like a shepherd that loves the lost sheep, would do anything to go and discover and find that lost sheep. You have just heard and listened to the gospel, the good news of Christ. What you do with it makes all the difference because we learn about something else about the gospel of Christ. What do we learn? The gospel of Christ is available to all by faith. Anybody. Not only is it available to all, but it's applicable to all. Everybody here needs it. You need God's salvation. You need to hear the good news of God, of Christ. You need to receive the good news of Christ. You need to. And it begins by understanding your need of salvation, that you're a sinner separated from God, but praise God that Jesus Christ came down to this earth to die on the cross for my sins, and by faith, by simply trusting what he has done, my sins are forgiven. So you can see that God has done everything he possibly can. Is there anything left for God to do to prepare you for heaven? Friend, there isn't. There's nothing. But there is for you. Oh, it's nothing you can do in your own effort, but it's just simply understanding, God, I love you for sending your son, and I trust you completely to take me to heaven. Yes, by faith in Christ and His great work on the cross, salvation can be yours. God Himself has paid the price required to put away sin by the giving of His Son. Christ has taken on the full punishment for sin. So if you're willing to take the place of a sinner, then Christ is willing to take the place of a Savior. In fact, He already has done so. Don't delay. Trust Him today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, 
or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.